to the Aristotle Throttle Show. I am the titular character of this show. I don't know if I'm a character or not. You ever been called a character before? It's always fun. You never know how to take it. I never knew how to take it. I think. The people are like, you're a character. I remember that in college. Someone, my roommate, sweetmate would always say, my sweetmate, Sean, he'd always say, Harry, you're a character. And I'd be like, so confused by it. I didn't quite know if it was a compliment or anything, but I said, "What was? Th- what does that mean?" And he's like, "Harry, you're you're a character. You're a character." I gotta change this. This is Friday. It's not Friday. It's Monday. It's Motivational Monday. Uh, it's funny because this is why it's funny. There's always everything is funny in my life. I think everything's absurd. I'm an absurdist. It's the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. You can always subscribe. It's five days a week, Monday through Friday, four p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But check this out. I didn't learn what a character was until the following year. I studied film, film studies production in college, communications and film studies and production. And uh, I had a teacher, Professor Lopate, Philip Lopate. By the way, he is the brother of Leonard Lopate, longtime broadcaster for NPR, WNYC in New York City. He is an interviewer. His name is Leonard Lopate. You could check him out, probably still. He is a very, he's a very famous longtime guy uh, in, the, in the biz, you know what I mean? Because I'm doing this. I've been doing this since I was a kid. I've been doing this into audio tapes, just playing it back for my friends, mailing them through the mail, like radio stations. And then in college, that year, I was with Sean. I was doing a radio station, radio show with my friend, uh, Chris Legand, who later became my roadie. This is a little brief history of time. So that year, also, Sean was calling me a character. The following year, I learned what a character was. And it took us probably about four classes to understand what a character is. If anybody out there knows what a character is, feel free to write in. Tweet at me. Follow me on Instagram, Aristotle Dre or Aristotle at Full Throttle on all of the platforms. But check it out. Philip Lopate, Professor Philip Lopate, the screenwriting teacher over at Hofstra University. He was very strict, but also kind of not. This, the, it was a very loosey-goosey type of class. Hey, Mom. Nice to, I'm just telling you about Philip Lopate my screenwriting teacher in college, none of us understood what a character was for the first, I don't know, month or two. He kept asking us to bring in character outlines, bring in a character outline. And people were just describing like features, you know. This person is a woman, they're, they're 25, they have blonde hair, etc., etc. He's like, that's not a character. And we were just like so baffled and confused by this. I'll tell you, I did learn a valuable lesson because class after class, people would be like, the guy, he's, uh, he's in college. He likes to go to, he's, he's a college student. The professor would be like, that's not a character. He didn't really tell us what a character was. Best part was there was this kid in this class, in the class, Jason. There's always a Jason in every class. He's Jason adjacent. He said, we don't understand what you mean by character after about four weeks of classes. It's like, we don't understand. You keep saying, give us a character. And you're not, you, you're confusing us. <laughs> but the professor was actually teaching us a valuable lesson. He was actually having us figure it out. <laughs> and he, the, this kid in the class, uh, it was funny because he gave this long-winded uh, d- 
protest to the teacher. And the teacher, Professor Lopate, Philip Lopate, hey, Jen, welcome to the show. I'm just talking about characters and what it means to be a character because my college roommate used to call me character, college suite mate. Actually, Sean didn't live in our suite, but he would always hang out in our suite. And uh, I'll play your intros in a minute. I just want to want to wrap this story up. It's crazy because we didn't know what he meant. And then this kid in the class, Jason, went on this long-winded protest about how he didn't like the teacher and how he didn't. And then Professor Lopate, Philip Lopate, the highest paid professor at Hofstra University, screenwriting professor, stared at him, listened, let him go through his whole speech, and then said, you know, I've been teaching many years this course, and what I've found to be consistent is that there always is a resident a-hole in every class. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to Jason. Which was spot on, because this kid was an a-hole, but he didn't say a-hole. He said the whole word. It was hilarious. I'm going to tell you what a character is right after this intro for Raccoon Raiders. would be me if I was Jay-Z on that tune. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. What's up, Jen? Jen. 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 Welcome to the show. Always happy to see you guys here. It's so fun. I'm just going on this diatribe. That's how we start out the shows. It's Motivation of Mondays, ladies and gentlemen, on Aristotle Full Throttle. And uh, I'm trying to decipher what a character is. Actually, I deciphered it many years ago, many years ago in this screenwriting writing class that I took with Philip Lopate, brother of Leonard Lopate, broadcaster at WNYC in New York. Philip Lopate, the uh, screenwriting professor. He was known as the highest paid professor at Hofstra. And for good reason, because you know what he said? A character. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen up. If you don't know what a character is, I'm about, I'm about to mansplain it. <laughs> I'm about to didactically uh, uh, tell you what it is. It's somebody who wants something. You know what I mean? That's what a character is. I want to win the big game. I want to be a, I want to, li- listen, Luke Skywalker is a character. You know why? Because he wants to get off that damn planet and become a fighter pilot and fight for the rebellion. That's a character. That's a guy who's got nothing left to lose has a goal, wants to be a fighter pilot like his father. That's his character. And you know what he does? He achieves that goal. In the second movie, The Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker is a character. Do you know why? Because he wants to become a Jedi master like his father was before. So he goes to become, to find Yoda and become a Jedi master. In Return of the Jedi, the third movie, do you know why Luke Skywalker wants to become a character? He wants 
to make peace with, spoiler alert, Darth Vader turns out to be Luke Skywalker's father. He wants to find his father and bring him back to the light side. That's a character. Every movie, Luke Skywalker has a well-defined character arc because, I mean, and it's like, it's broadly, you know, it's the hero's journey. But this is what a character is. You name a good movie, I guarantee you there's a good character in it. And the movies are generally, sometimes they're like weird, really cool thought pieces and look, they look pretty. But, but really good movies are uh, movies that got character. That's why I reference the wolf in Pulp Fiction when he's talking to Julia Sweeney's character when he drops off Marvin's body at the, uh, at the dump, the junkyard. He says to her, just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. No, she says, just because you have character doesn't mean you are a character. Which is literally him describing the fact that she just shows up for one scene and has no motivation. She just is like, okay, cool. I'll take care of this for you. But I love that Julia Sweeney is in the movie Pulp Fiction. Nice little cameo. Welcome to Monday, Motivational Monday here at Aristotle Full Throttle. What motivates you? Help computer. What is what motivates you? You know what motivates me? Make it a difference. That's my character. My character is I want to make a difference. I would like to make a difference in this world. I'd like to make it I'd like to leave the world a little bit better than I found it. It's pretty tough right now to find to make this world because it seems like it's backsliding. <laughs> seems like we're going into World War Three. I mean, seriously. Russia is invading Ukraine. You know why? I don't. I really don't. Because Vladimir Putin, Vladimir, Vladimir, is a gigantic baby. He's a gigantic baby who's like, how do I stay in power? How do I, I want it all. He's basically Veruca Salt. He's a bad egg. We need to dump him. Who is this imbecile? Exactly. I don't like Vladimir Putin. Who is this imbecile? Correct. I hope the sound effects are louder now. I could do this all day. I can. I can, I can, I can. What motivates you? You know, I'm very sickened and, and saddened to invoke some lyrics from Incubus. Sick, sad little world. It's a good song. Check it out. It's like this. Let me see if I can play that. I don't know if I can remember how that. Let me see if I can pick the notes out of the air for six that little word. Nope. Yep. Almost got it. Almost got it. This is the part where I reach back into my brain to try to remember a song by ear. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Something like that, right? You guys remember that song about Incubus? Incubus? Let me see if I can find it all to here. Sick, sad little world. Here it is. Oh, that's a special edition? I don't want no special edition. You know what also motivates me? Gets me pumped? Music. Oh, yeah. Okay. I used to be in the band. I'm going to be in the band again. Watching D&D on Twitch gets me motivated to do housework. Well, that gives you 12 points of charisma in my book. I would like to roll the 20-sided die and find a magic spell to make Presto Changel. The, the, the house is clean now. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, I, I got to clean my house. Yeah, 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 check this out. Oh, yeah. You guys remember Incubus? That's exactly what they sound like. They also sound like this. Uh... I think it sounds like that, something like that. You guys remember? Sometimes I gotta bring the guitar out, play some music for you. Why not? What motivates you? I do like the feeling of learning a song correctly. <laughs> not not always. I don't always learn a song correctly. Something like that. Um, Incubus is one of my influences. Definitely as a kid, you know? If you listen to some of my old music, you'll hear some of the Incubus inside of it. There's some Incubus. You know what an Incubus is? It's a Succubus's cousin. 
you know what else is uh my friend my friend scott murray when i was a kid i grew up with just a kid scott murray total sociopath in retrospect sorry scott it's true <laughs> kid was dangerous dangerous to be around bad influence uh i don't know if he motivated me so much as it was a bad influence i just watched him do some bad things though sometimes i'd be like you go ahead and do that scott i'll just be over here with a conscience but scott it was funny because uh yeah I don't even know what the point of that story was. Uh, but Scott, yeah, he was a total sociopath. What was I going to say? He used to do like a flip off of like th- He's basically one of the jackass guys, but like didn't care. I'll remember what the story was in a minute. If you, <laughs> what motivates me? Music. Oh man, I had a good story for you, but I, I lost it. Let's go back to the guitar. That's a crazy riff. I think Ben Kenny came up with it. Ben Kenny, formerly of the Roots. Joined he joined Incubus on that album. You guys have any requests? I gotta say, um, sometimes people are negatively motivated. Sometimes people are motivated by money. Sometimes people are motivated by other things, worldly things. Some people are motivated by Jesus. You know, Jesus. I, personally, I don't find Jesus that appealing. <laughs> I mean, he said a couple cool things, right? Or at least he's credited with those things, saying those things. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of things that that uh, that Einstein supposedly said, but he didn't. A lot of people say they quote, uh, "Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result." Einstein, and I'm like, "Come on, man! Einstein did not say that. <laughs> he was not a psychologist." Dude was a physicist. He was a mathematician, really. Patent clerk. He didn't say any of that garbage. People, you know, that's why sometimes I'll say, I'm hungry. You know, quote, I'm hungry, end quote, Abraham Lincoln. Probably at some point. You know, that's a pretty safe bet for a quote. I hate that this riff was written by Ted Nugent. I mean, it's the coolest riff ever. Right? Stranglehold. Why? Why, Ted Nugent? Why did you have to write the coolest riff ever and be the biggest jerk ever at the same time? I'm mad. (laughs) I'm mad about it.
It's so cool. Stop it. He gets to go around to Republican conventions and play that. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people are motivated by good things. Some people are motivated by bad things. Some people are motivated by Jesus. Some people are motivated by bad quotes by Einstein, who didn't say that. You know, I want to I, I make a quote that says, I never said that. Quote, I never said that. End quote. Einstein. All right, I'm going to start playing some ACDC. Go <laughs> ahead, go. like that, right? I don't know. I don't know, ACDC. What, are you crazy? Uh. Wait. <laughs> How's it go? Nope, nope, close. What? Nope. Someone tell me the chord I'm missing. I uh, gotta hear it. Gotta hear those chords, you know? Why can't I think of that? It's because I've got earplugs in, technically. These are on mute. These are on uh, noise cancellation. It's back in black. What's that second chord in back in black? It's a, it's a beat. Yeah. Two, four. Yeah. Probably more interesting to look at my hands than my stupid face when I'm playing. <laughs> you guys want to hear some dumb songs? Yeah. Say yes. Say no. Say say yes. My guitar is pretty loud, but who cares? It's you know, it's daytime. There's daylight. Hey, Ange. I just wrote this for you. ACDC party. Also. Hey, baby. I can destroy everything. But I'm not. What? But I can. Baby. 
shut up and give us your money. She said, shut up and give us your money. <laughs> Ange, taking people down. Ange, what motivates you? How do you get people motivated to do yoga? I know that I like to do yoga. I try to do yoga every day. I say to myself, do yoga every day. Because that way, you know, if you don't break the chain, if you never break the chain, as Fleetwood Mac reminded us, uh, it's better. You can keep a habit if you do it every day. Even if you don't do it to the fullest, if you just do it a little, you'll be able to uh, maintain that habit. Otherwise, if you break the chain, uh, that's like the worst thing you can do, apparently. Aliens will come down from outer space and kill you. Jesus himself will say, hey, you jerk. Oh, I'm here to t- I'm, I'm here to tell you. What are some like epic riffs? Rock and roll really motivates me. If you see me, if I'm ever on a stage again, which will be soon, I promise. Guys, I'm going to try to campaign in the lobby to be inside uh, inside a band soon <laughs> on the inside of a band. I actually saw The War on Drugs the other day. There's a band called The War on Drugs. They're a really great band. It's really difficult for me to get anyone else into them because for some reason, nobody really like, they just don't catch on to the to other people. You ever have a band that you're trying to get people into and everybody's like, eh. That used to be like Elliot Smith for me. Smith, Elliot Smith, like when I was a chill, child, baby child, Elliot Smith was like a 90s guy. Right, and I was listening to Ellie Smith way back in the '90s. I was like, "This, this dude is amazing. How come ain't nobody gonna be like?" I was like, "Why, why ain't nobody like Ellie Smith as much as me?" And then, uh, then he died, and everybody's like, "Hey, have you heard of this guy, Ellie Smith?" I'm like, come on now. I was a fan while he was alive. I was a fan since his second album. And then his third album came out. And then his fourth album came out. It's like, And then his fifth album came out. And I was like, I'm still a fan. And then his posthumous album came out, which I don't like. I can't listen to it. That's I should say I can't listen to it. Not that I don't like it. I can't listen to it. Because I know it's unfinished. Clearly, the guy is dead. That's a good song. You should check it out. It's on the album, uh, what, Figure Eight? Check it out. That song is called uh, Everything Reminds Me of Her. Everything Reminds Me of Herb. You ever meet Herb? You ever meet? You ever eat herbs? Why do they say herbs in England? So I got to tell you, I saw this band, The War on Drugs. I really like them. I, I recommend them. I was really impressed because the singer was playing guitar all night. Now, that might not be surprising to you, but as a guitar player myself, I say, you know, that's double duty. Not only was he a great lead guitar player, because he played all of the lead and identifiable parts. This might not be surprising or shocking to anybody out there, but as someone who has seen many singers hold a guitar in their hands, there aren't many singers who play a guitar at a level that is like a lead. That's why often you have a lead guitar player off to the side who is actually playing all the hard parts, doing all the heavy lifting. The singer for this band, The War on Drugs, was creating all of the atmosphere 
on his guitar. He had a million pedals. He was doing all of this guitar soloing. I was really impressed. There were seven people in that band, and he was the most integral one. <laughs> and I, I found that really fun and fascinating. I found that really... Uh, I was listening to this song. There's a band called Mad Season. They were briefly formed in the mid-90s. Lane Staley from Ellis and Chains is in that band. Rest in peace. Mark Lanigan just left us. Rest in peace. Mark Lanigan used to be the singer for the Screaming Trees. He was also in that band. Also, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. You might know Mike McCready from this. You know, that's Mike McCready all day. That's Mike McCready all day. Um, you might know Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. But uh, interestingly enough, I believe on that album, speaking of singers playing guitar, I believe, I'm going to believe this, Lane Staley, singer of that band, was playing this on guitar. The other day, I misattributed that song to Alice in Chains, because in my head, I could hear Lane Staley's voice. But that song is actually a Mad Season song. And so, I don't know anything, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. There it is. I don't know who to be. I was listening to that on my hike today, actually, and I just somehow... See, that's a riff I can instantly recall, not having played it since I was a child, <laughs> but it's pretty funny that I can't remember this one. Can't do it. Remember this one, though? That's a incubus. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything. Well, Uncle Ron, I'll tell you what you do, though. The the catchiest song ever. Here it is. Likeable. My most likable song ever. Coca-Cola, lipstick ring, go dance all night, dance all night. Kiss me, just kiss me, kiss me, Nephrodite. Lipstick, kiss me, lipstick ring, go, that's the way you like it. This is your most likable song ever. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. will love it. People will love it. Interesting story about the song, Mark. Uncle, I'm Uncle Ron says in the chat. The other day I was 
usefully corrected on identifying when I'm reading the comments aloud. Thank you very much, Emma. I'm Uncle Ron, says in the chat. Interesting story about the song Mark Lanigan sings on that Mad Season record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that is an interesting story uh, about Mark Lanigan. You know, Mark Lanigan died. He had a really distinctive voice. Uh, Screaming Trees, remember? What did they sing? They sang, I nearly lost you then. That song, you remember that song? The kids love it. It's really popular among the teens. I used to play this song all the time as a kid. Thank you very much. That is off my second album called I'm Not a Singer. Let me just correct. I'm Uncle Ron, says in the chat. He and Lane wrote it by passing the pad of paper back and forth, each writing one line apiece. Interesting. Interesting how sometimes co-singers can co-sing and co-write. I just actually had a conversation with my old guitar player about this, and I'm going to let it rip. I'm going to go ahead and talk about this. No holds barred. If you were a fan of my band, Veda, you might notice that the earlier albums have terrible lyrics. <laughs> I'm just going to let it rip. I never liked the lyrics. Do you want Because they didn't make any sense. And I would have a chat with my singer. I'd say, hey, um, you think we should write lyrics that people can uh, understand? And he'd be like, I'm drunk. And then I'd say, we should write lyrics that people can understand. And then he'd say, huh? And then, I'd, and then I would write lyrics that were understandable. And then he would sing them backwards. Like legitimately sing them the wrong way and then I'd say why did you sing the, the lyrics wrong and then I figured it out he wanted to still have influence over how the lyrics were and I was like listen our literal jobs are as songwriters we are being potentially paid and hired to write songs generally speaking songs are things that people can connect to and understand. Just saying. You know, like, just the song I was just playing. My pain was self-chosen. You know, I get it. I get that. I get it instantly. 
Not a song I wrote. It's a song by Mad Season. But that is an interesting way to write a song. I got to tell you, though, we eventually, you're not going to believe this, but you might believe this because I have a very storied life. This is why I have a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, which you could download on Spotify. Please feel free to listen to this on Spotify. I get like a penny every time people listen. And I made 10 cents yesterday. And I feel like that is why it's worth it. It's worth it because I would like this to be self-sustainable. Unsustainable. Not like that Muse song, but I would like this to be self-sustainable. So the singer, just he didn't write lyrics that were coherent. You know what I'm saying? He didn't write lyrics that were, uh, what are, what do you say? Good. I'm going to let it fly. I'm going to let this fly. Now my band, those first couple of releases, you know, you're kind of like, what? I get the idea. I get the title. But then suddenly the song doesn't make any sense. But then a song like All For You comes along, right? And the song, the lyrics actually do make sense. Because you know why? Because while we were writing that, the singer wrote like a, a thousand lyrics for that song. All For You, if you listen to the song All For You by Veda. This, our singer wrote a thousand lyrics for that song. And I said, you know what? Why don't you just keep singing It's All For You? Just, you know, it's all for you. Just keep singing that. Because people get that. <laughs> we'll all rock out. And you just keep singing It's All For You. All right? All right? Listen, I wasn't always a jerk like that. I'm just... I'm, I'm dramatizing for comedy effect. Um, wait, I'm, com- I'm comedy-izing for dramatic effect. I don't know. Just follow me with this story. So now, you're not going to believe this. You might believe it, but trust me, this is true. There's a band called Hoobastink, right? You might have heard them. They sing, uh, and the reason is you, and the reason... And this band, Hoobastank, took a liking to our music, my band's music, way back in the day. Veda, Hoobastank. They said, hey, we're working with this other guy. We want to take on bands under our wing. And guess what? We just won the Grammy for Song of the Year. <laughs> now, Hoobastank won the Grammy for song of the year. I know I was talking about Incubus earlier. Now we're talking about Hoobastank. Funnily enough, they went to the same high school in Calabasas with my friends, Lee and Sam. They're all connected. Those two bands are connected because they're like brothers are in a band called like Audio Vent. It's nuts. A lot of bands from that high school that went on to become like, you know, popular. Hoobastank wins Song of the Year for the reason, for some reason. They win the Song of the Year. We're out here like three months later in Los Angeles, and we're at Dan Estrin's birthday party. Dan Estrin is the guitar player for Hoobastank. Doug Robb is the singer for Hoobastank. We're at a party with them. Now, they have gotten all of our demos. They've listened to all of our albums. And uh, Dan Estrin corners me. He corners me at a party. Dan Estrin, the guitar player for Hoobastank. Remember that? It was like... 
whatever. The, the song, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Where they're like... I don't know how to play their songs. But uh, he says to me, Dan Estrin, it's his birthday party. He comes up to me and he's like, yo, dude, I've been listening to your music. But yo, your singer's song... This his voice is pretty, pretty high-pitched. I'm doing his voice. Lest anybody think... I am uh, making fun of him. This is his actual voice. You know me. I do that. Cl- I do people's voices. So he said, "Yo, dude, your singer's lyrics." Suck. He's like, "Who writes the lyrics of your band?" And I was like, "Well, mostly our singer." And he's like, "Your singer's lyrics suck, bro." <laughs> and I was like, kind of mad, but also agreed. <laughs> I was like, kind of like defensive because I've got a lot of solidarity. You know, I'm very loyal. Even though I agreed, I had a, I was, it was fighting me inside. In that moment, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to defend my band's honor. I wanted to defend my singer's honor. But, you know, in retrospect, he has no honor. He's a disgrace. But we'll get to that some other day. <laughs> so I said to him, oh, yeah? And he's, oh, yeah, dude who just won songwriting of the year at the Grammys? What do you know? Uh, I'm Uncle Ron. He said, bro, bro, come here, bro. You're just saying your singer's, your singer's lyrics suck, bro. Dude, your singer's lyrics suck, bro. You need to write more lyrics, bro. You need to, like, tell your singer, yo, your lyrics suck. And you need to write more lyrics. Now, a little background, if I haven't given enough already. Dan Estrin is a guitar player for Hoopastank. Doug Robb is the singer for Hoopastank. The two of them are the songwriters for Hoopastank. And they wrote The Reason, which just won a Grammy two months before he said this to me, <laughs> for Song of the Year. And songwriting, like, duo of the year. So now, I'm, now, now the gears are turning. I'm mad. I'm an angsty young dude. And, like, I'm in a rock band. But there's this guy who's... Listen, I liked Hoobastank's earlier stuff. But when The Raisin came out, I was like, when The Raisin came out, I said, what is this? What are, what are we doing now? We're singing ballads about... We're singing ballads now, and then they go ahead and win Grammys, and I'm like, okay, well, you know. So I did. I, so in that moment, I said to myself, "Yeah, you're right." But f you, Dan Estrin, guitar player and Grammy award-winning songwriter. <laughs> so f- finally, in further releases, in subsequent releases, you'll notice that the Veda songs are coherent with lyrics because me, Oliver, and Ian worked together to write songs that made goddamn sense. Which I'm proud of. I'm very proud of. And you can get that album at Veda.com. You can listen to it on Spotify. I get like ten I got like a penny every time. So please do that. If you're watching on YouTube, like like the video. I'm just sitting, listen, I'm hustling. This is what I want to do. I want to do this. I need you to help me out. And I appreciate when you do. But that's that's the story. And uh, you, it's true. Subsequently, I ran into Dan Estrin at several more parties because they were. it was just parties all summer. Los Angeles is about the parties. You got to go to parties with POD. You got to go to parties with Hoobastink. You got to go to parties with No Doubt. No Doubt. Got to go to parties with all these bands, because I did. And I hung out with all these bands back in the day. Not to brag, it was very strange. 
It was a very strange time. For instance, the DJ in Incubus, Chris, we were like moving through this means of egress together and we were like crossing paths and he's like, yo, dude, I miss you. And I was like, hey, man. And he's like, yo, dude, I miss you. Yo, it's been so long since we hung out. And I was like, we, I've never, we've never met. We've never met. I've never met you. I know who you are. You're the dude with the dreadlocks who plays the DJ in Incubus. <laughs> and he's like, nah, bro, I know you. I know you. We met. And you know what came to my head immediately in that moment? Also, Ollie Oliver, our drummer, grabbed my shoulder and he said, listen, he, he was Winston Zedmore for me. Ollie said to me, just say you know him. He said, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. So I said, yeah, I remember you. And that was like one of the only times I've lied in my life. <laughs> but it was for good reason. Um, will you? I've been trying to guess the dramatic history for, of Veda forever. Oh, th- listen, we could do a series. We could do this whole week of crazy stories that are dramatic and I, and I was actually starting to write this into a series I was going to make like a mini series to be like my, and I was going to call it My Life Under the Bus <laughs> this is funny you know My Life Under the Bus <laughs> I figured that's what this should be called <laughs> Memoirs of Being in Veda um, and says, let me catch sorry, sorry. Yeah. Jen said, will you, I've been trying to guess the dramatic history of Veda forever. Jen also says, did you tell your bandmate what he said? Now, Jen, I don't think it would have been helpful for me to tell Ian that his lyrics suck, bro. But I gently and also, but very, uh, firmly gentle, but firmly was like, we need to make lyrics that make sense. So every single time we wrote a new song, Ollie would keep an actual log of the lyrics, and then we'd all sit down, (laughs) as you do. Oliver, by the way, has an English degree from Princeton. Me, I've definitely studied songwriting, and I would like to say that I'm an accomplished songwriter on account of having songs that have been recorded and played on the radio and on television. So I, I, I haven't accomplished, I've accomplished some songs in my life that I'm very proud of. So we would all sit down, we'd gather around the campfire and then literally read the lyrics aloud and be like, does this make sense? Does this make sense to you? Can you connect to this? There's a little bit of leeway here and there for like, there's a song we had called, uh, Uh, called Nervous, and that song is very abstract, but it actually suits the music. My contention, my my position generally was like, what does this song feel like? What does this song evoke? How do I feel when I hear this music? What are the feelings I have? Let's describe those feelings. And now, have those those ideas connect. And, um, it's fairly simple in a lot of people's minds when, but when I, I don't, I, you know, I honestly don't know what was going through 
our singer's head. I, I just don't know. I mean, if anything, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give every kind of underhanded jab I can. Because there's, if you guys do the history, which you will, maybe we'll make that a series. We'll have Veda Week, and we'll just talk about Veda Week, W-E-A-K, and we'll just talk about all of the incredible, incredible stories that you would just be, you're going to be like slapping your head. It'll be like that scene in uh, Naked Gun. You remember Naked Gun when everybody just goes, everybody slaps their forehead, everybody faces their palm, everybody palms their face. Yeah. Beta week coming up. You know what? You know what I might do for Veda week? Now you got me inspired, Jen. Because it wouldn't be right if I did Veda week alone. What if? Now, what if? What if? Let's ask Jeffrey Wright. What if? What if? I get three of the four members of VEDA to talk about VEDA Week. It's almost not fair, though. I should almost have all four members, all four original members. We were a three-piece for about five or six years, but we were a four-piece for the first year. Um, and that's a whole story in and of itself. Our, sing- our guitar player left after the first year, and uh, we were like, this is when we went out to L.A., and... Um, Huba Stank was going to work with us, and this other guy, Bo Dozier, who is the son of Lamont Dozier, and Lamont Dozier wrote many Motown hits. You might remember Bo Dozier for dating uh, Joss Stone when she was underage. That's how I know her. That's how I know him. I know him, and I also know Joss Stone. (laughs) Storied life, I'll tell you. Joss Stone was really, she had just played the Grammys that year. I think she played, yeah, she played the same Grammys, and she was barefoot on stage, and she played with Melissa Etheridge. I talked to her all about it. It was pretty cool. She's a very lovely person. Bo Dozier is not a lovely person. Listen, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell the dirt. It's dirt. Listen, this is all my opinion. Everything on the show is my opinion. It's through my old viewpoint. You might know these people and you might like them. I, for one, don't. I do like John Stone. She was very lovely. We hung out several times uh, all together. She's, very, she's a very sweet person. Great singer. But, uh, yeah. She came to see us play a few times, for sure. Also, Frankie Munoz. Mun, Munoz. It's Munoz. Come on. You guys want to hear a song? Veda Week. A Veda Tell All. Yeah, maybe this is the best format for it. Uh, Just a series of podcasts. Because this is a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe on Spotify if you haven't already. You know, you're listening to demos by Veda right here. This is us in the rehearsal studio. Stuff that never came out. This is just a demo because we didn't even have the lyrics yet. You know why? I think if you rewind the show, 
You'll see why. The song's good. I forgot what we called this. I think we called this song like Pomona. Because we wrote it in Pomona. Or after a show in Pomona. So this is off of the unreleased sessions. <laughs> it's a Veda song that never came to be. But I still champion the music. Welcome, Studio 8H. Live from LA, it's AFT. Story is this will. Kendrick, Leon Olita, OCW 5000, 420 artists, Raccoon Raiders, and now introducing Studio 8H. Welcome, Studio 8H, to the show. For the record, Dan Estrin and Doug Robb of Hoobastank, they're fine. They were nice guys. Okay? They were just telling me like it is. Dan Estrin was giving me good advice. It turned out to be good advice in the end. Even though, in the moment, I was very... Come on, man. What you trying to say about my band? Hit, it hit me in the uh, the ego, you know? But I was like, you know what? You're right. It's good to take constructive criticism. And it was constructive in, you know, his way. Yeah, dude, your singer's lyrics suck, bro. You need to write more lyrics, bro. They're from L.A. If you couldn't already tell, they went to the high school in Calabasas with my friends. Welcome to the show. This is the Aristotle Full Throttle Show. I'm glad to see you. It's happy Mondays. What motivates you? I'll tell you that. That speech by Dan Astrin, the guitar player from Hoopastake, who told me my lyrics suck, that motivated me to improve. <laughs> Motivational Mondays. I gotta say, follow your dreams, kid. I know that that is a platitude. It may sound like an empty thought. It might sound like a hot take on life, but it's true. It's often times people sit there and tell you, you know, be more realistic. If someone told me, if I, well, listen, many people have told me to be more realistic, but if I had listened to them, <laughs> I, 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 I would be limiting myself to their imagination because what's real to them is clearly not real to me. If I had listened to people said, you know, you know, you want to be in a band, people are realistic. I'd be like, okay, uh, you mean playing on tours and getting signed by record labels and playing in front of crowds of thousands of people isn't real to you because it is real to me and it has come to pass. So that was very exciting for me to accept that my reality doesn't have to be someone else's limited reality. If other people listen, there's people doing things. There's people on TV. There's people with podcasts. There's people doing things. If they can do it and you want to do it, work at it because it can do I just don't believe that there's people who can do things that are allowed to do things and people who aren't allowed to do things I'll say you can do anything you want kid I'm serious yeah I'm serious you know come on tiger I mean look look you, you get out there come on come on man you you can do whatever you want listen you know I just I, I, I've, I've been present for uh, for uh, two years. 
per year. I have, the, I have the mediocre confidence. Have Jen the Fierce in the chat says, have the confidence of a mediocre white man. That's my motto. It's very true. You know what I learned today, Jen? It's very hilarious because that is something I've always seen in my life too. Being a brown man, uh, I have noticed, <laughs> to this day I still notice this, and I actually want to tell, you know, the the people in question, these particular folks, the mediocre white dudes who find it necessary to contribute their opinion to whatever it is, <laughs> doesn't matter, but it's astonishing, the entitlement that I have witnessed daily almost, <laughs> where there's like a, a subject that applies nothing, it has no application <sighs> to, say, your average white guy. You know, there's a band called Average White Band from the 70s, and they're really good. But if the average white guy will be like, let me tell you something. <laughs> because for some reason, that is encouraged in our society. The average white guy will be like, let me tell you about racism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, Jen, I'm an average white guy. Let me tell you what it's like to be a woman. <laughs> it's astonishing. There's the ability to STFU... Has it doesn't see it seems to elude a lot of these folks. So yes, have that have that confidence. There have been many times in my life where I have been in a situation, and I am very cognizant of this, especially these last few years. I, I, I've been very cognizant of my friend, for instance. Oh, I should get her on the show. My friend Amanda Savage, she's hilarious. I should just call her up right now. Hey, Amanda, you're on the air. She's hilarious. She does her own show. She's a comedian. She's a very funny show. Um, there's a funny story about that that show I worked on with her, too, because uh, one of her guests took a liking to me, and I had no idea because I'm an idiot. But there's it was a show. She's she's a woman, and there was a woman director. There's a woman writer. There's uh, a lot of female talent, and it's a talk show that she was doing, and I was a photographer. I was hired to be the photographer. Right. And, uh, and oftentimes as a tall dude, I feel like a lot of times people like look over to me and I'm just like, hey, you know, I, uh, and I feel the pressure to say stuff sometimes. I honestly do. I feel the pressure to talk a lot of times, but I have learned this and it's a very valuable lesson that I'm sure. Let me <laughs> let me white splain and mansplain to average white dudes. Here's a lesson you can learn. Uh, <clears throat> STFU. <sighs> know your place. If you're if I'm hired as the photographer, now Amanda's hilarious. She's my friend. I find her very funny. We would always crack each other up on set when we worked together. However, when I was on that set that day, I was like feeling the urge to chime in when they were doing little brainstorming. Uh, uh, they were doing little brainstorming sessions and chatting with each other. And I was like, oh, hey, I got an idea, but I didn't. I shouldn't. It wasn't my place. So I shut the F up. Because I'm the photographer, bro. <laughs> I'm here to document what's happening. Not be like, hey, let me tell you ladies what would be funny. Stupid. That would be stupid. Uh, where'd and 
it, there's just no reason for it. Hey, bro. What's up, Pablo Yurik, bro? Pablo Yurik, bro? Hello. I, I'm responding to Pablo Yurik, bro, in the chat here. Jad the Fierce says, where does the white man get his water? Uh, well, actually. <laughs> well, actually. That's a good one. That's a good joke. I think it deserves this. End of this. That is very true, though. You know? I feel it's it's a multiple... It's a... <laughs> You can't get mad at someone who's just completely witless, though. You know what I mean? You gotta just... It's, it's, I mean, you can. You can. At some point, people are just not listening. And they're not just... They're just not paying attention. So you can get mad at people who are being stupid. Because stupidity is different than ignorance. Ignorance is just not aware. Stupidity is... You've been given the chance many times to be aware of this... And you've chosen not to be aware of it. You're stupid. Ignorance, though, in my opinion, today, ignorance is a choice. In the age of Google, in the age of the Internet, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. You're choosing to not know things. At that point, what's up, Brazil? Hey, Pablo, you're at Brazil. Welcome to the show. We love you in Brazil. I almost could be Brazilian. Look at me. I got to say, Pablo, um, thank you for joining us in the chat. Brazil is a beautiful country. I've never been there. I want to go, though. I know it's Carnival right now. Is it? Is it Carnival right now? I also know something about uh, just the other day we had trivia. We have trivia here on Thursdays. And there was a trivia. There was a reference to Brazil. There's a Sue George from Brazil was playing some David Bowie songs in the movie The Life Aquatic by Steve Zizou. If you've seen that movie, it's a Wes Anderson movie, The Life Aquatic by Steve Zizou, and there's a brilliant musician named Sue George. Sue George. And he plays and performs David Bowie songs in Portuguese. Portuguese. Live. Live. Well, hello down there in Brazil. Thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you here. Remember, you could follow me on here on Twitch, or you could subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, you can do whatever you like. I appreciate all of it. I love it. I love being here with you every day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, specific Pacific Standard Time. Also, guys, uh, I don't think I'm going to be here on Wednesday because I got tickets to go see the Foo Fighters movie. You know, the Foo Fighters have a movie.
Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters got their name from a from an old book about World War II fighter pilots seeing UFOs out their window, and they would call them Foo Fighters. Pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to go see the Foo Fighters movie on Wednesday with my friend Megan, my, my buddy old pal Megan. You might remember her. She was on an episode a couple of months ago, a month ago maybe. She's Me and Megan are going to go see Foo Fighters movie. Studio 666, I'm six, 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 six. I'm excited. I'm excited. What's up, Will? Welcome to the show, Will. Just in time for your intro and the outro. You got the touch. Is this Will? Is this Will? You got the power. Yeah. You caught me tuning. One of my favorite riffs is a very um, low-key riff by Foo Fighters. It's a. like that, right? <laughs> I gotta remember how to play it. Very pretty song. Very pretty. Very 90s. Cool. Hey there, Will. What are you up to? Hey, Will in the comments says, just woke up. Will, is this Will to comment? Says, hey there, Ange and Ari. Ari? Why'd I say Ari? My name is Ari. <laughs> I say my name in third person. I say Ari for some reason. That doesn't make any sense. I find it funny that people call me Ari when I tell them over and over again, it's Ari, short for Aristotle, rhymes with Larry, rhymes with Harry, rhymes with Gary. And then they go, okay, Ari. I'm like, listen, I know that it's difficult for you in your mind to wrestle with the pronunciation because you want to say it one way, but I just told you 15 different ways to say it. <laughs> Ari, short for Aristotle. So say, hit that A hard. Ah. Like you're screaming at a monster. Ari. You know what I mean? It's not Gary. It's Gary. <laughs> Just call me Gary. To this day, it's hilarious. Larry, uh, Oliver, um, and his wife, Beth, will jokingly call me Larry. I think she still just calls me Larry. <laughs> Which is great. Shout out to Beth Williams. Larry gives a shout out to Beth Williams. <laughs> it gets me every time. It's like, hey, Larry. And the kids, they call me Uncle Larry. <laughs> no. 
how much other Foo Fighters do I know? How about this one? This will be the last Foo Fighters song. Monkey Wrench. Let me play Monkey Wrench. Remember, uh, Will, I was trying to learn it the other day? Yeah. Good night, everybody. I can play that song on those drums now. Maybe one day I'll show you. Because <laughs> it's the Aristotle Full Throttle Post. It's the Aristotle Full Throttle Podcast. Not the, uh, not the, uh, not Aristotle Full Throttle Podcast. Ah, so much fun it is to, oh, what fun it is to ride, to ride or die, bro. Ride or die. Speaking of Veda. Speaking of, okay, so, you know, that year that we uh, hung out with the band who wrote The Reason and won the Grammy for The Reason, the band Hoobastank, well, we went on to write this song that year for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Listen, it might be inspired because it's a ballad. Um, the Larry Full Throttle. I agree. I agree with you, Studio 8H. This is the full throttle, the Larry Stottle. That's my alter ego. Also, my alter ego, my alter alter ego, my alterer ego is Aristotler full throttler. He's Aristotler than I am. Most everybody is. I, you know, today was about motivation. Maybe I'm a motivational speaker. I don't know. I'm just saying, if I could do it, and you could do it, I'm just saying, I'm Rocky at the end of Rocky Four when he just beat the Russian. Boy, oh boy, you know everybody in Ukraine is watching that right now. He said, if I could do, if I could change, you could change, then everybody could change. You can. It's true. I know a lot of people don't have the confidence. They don't have... Maybe they don't have... Maybe it was inside them the whole time. Maybe you do have the confidence. Who knows? Little by little. But if you know who you are, which takes some doing, it's a lot of work. It's been a, it's been a journey for me. I'm still trying to figure it out. I think my name is Larry. Aristotler. But I do... I do know this. I just want to help make a difference. 
Listen, that might be slathered with Swiss cheese, but that's true. I would like for you to go away from the show, at least feeling a little bit better. Or just, you know, feeling inspired to, to uh, finish that old novel that's kicking around in your head. Maybe paint your bathroom. I don't know. Maybe make some chicken wings. But vegan chicken wings, of course. That reminds me, I just watched Thundercats Hot Ones the other day. Watch it. Dude is funny and a talented musician. If I listened to those people who said, be more realistic, I wouldn't be doing the show every day. I'd be sitting at some, you know, I'd be banging my head against a wall somewhere. But now I get to bang my head against a wall on camera. And that, ladies and gentlemen, makes it all worth it. Musical cue. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for being you. That's all you got to do. You're worthy of love just because you're you. I'm learning about this. I learned this recently. You don't have to do a backflip. You don't have to do a podcast. You don't even have to paint your bathroom, although that would help. You are worth it. And I'm saying that just so you just believe it. My therapist said you just got to believe that. You don't have to do anything to be worth it. So I'm going to pass that lesson on to you. Do what makes you feel good, but don't do anything that makes someone else feel bad. Am I right? I think so. Game over, man. It's game over. You immediately thought of the cartoon Thundercats. Well, where do you think Thundercat got his name? Thunder from the Eye of Thundera. But you don't have to take my word for it. Thank you, guys. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. I won't be here on Wednesday. I'm going to be watching the Foo Fighters movie, but I'll be back on Thursday with with uh, trivia. And Will is going to take another crack at the trivia questions. Will, hopefully the questions are, uh, you know, not questions wrapped inside of enigmas, wrapped inside quagmires. Let's keep them, let's keep them uh, intelligible like Veda's later lyrics. There's always room to grow. There's always room for jello. There's always room for love. Love is infinite. It's not finite. Hey, Ange, how do you think of this 45-minute outro? Love is infinite. You can't, you don't have to squander, you don't have to say, uh, here, you have this percent of my love, and this, and you have 12%. You can have 27% of my love. You don't have to do that. You can just love everybody like a dog loves everybody. Except for the mailman. The mailman could be a jerk. All right. Love you. 100%. I love you 3,000. Okay, bye. Peace and love to Ukraine.